Oh, Lord God, open our hearts and minds to the word, the, the holy word that you have for us today through Jesus Christ. Amen. It was um, a strange thing because the people of Israel, the ancient Hebrews who later became the Israelites who lived in the promised land, actually had no leaders. They were a theocracy. They were to follow God. And you can read in, in those first sections of um, Judges, for example, how they were just so human. God would say, just follow what I have for you to do and you won't need a leader. And they said, but we want to be like other places. We want to have a king. No, no, you don't need a king. But God would raise up a leader at those critical times like Samson. And there's just a whole series of judges Deborah was a judge, men and women who rose up on the occasion to be an appropriate leader. And then when that emergency was over, they would go back to being leaderless. Finally, in the timeliness of God, God appointed a king. And then they had a series of kings who were their leaders And it shows that in our human weakness that we need leaders and leadership. And so I'm doing a sermon series on leadership, Christian leadership. And I know that a sermon series on Christian leadership just really sounds exciting. And I know that you will want to read Anthony Robinson's book that everybody should have, Leadership for Vital Congregations, because it's a thrilling read. You won't be able to put it down. We have copies for everybody here. The book is a brief statement about leadership, not just about pastors or our council president. We all need to have a sense of authentic Christian leadership in the church because God knows we need it. I am sure you'll also be reading the scriptures that are listed each Friday in the e-blast so that you will know what the sermon is going to be about and you can be prepared to deepen your understanding of God's call for Christian leadership in the church. I'm just sure that as soon as that e-blast comes on Friday, that you're going to whip out your Bible and you're going to turn to those scriptures so you can be mulling them in your heart. So to begin, I want to say most churches are well managed, but they are not well led. And that is what has occurred in the life of Protestant Christianity today. Most churches seem to have semi-good managers if there's someone like the pastor who helps them manage all of the programs that are going on. Unless you have a pastor like a friend of mine who forgot to call the annual congregational meeting. But otherwise, he did a fair job of managing the life of the congregation. But Christian leadership is hard to find. Even most pastors don't exercise real leadership, but tend to put most of their time and energy into the management of the institution rather than leading the body of Christ. 
Moses was facing real problems in leading these Hebrew people out of Egypt and through the desert. They just kept complaining and whining. Talk about a group of whiners. Did you hear how they whined about everything? They even became um, rebellious in the face of the reluctant leader, Moses. And oh, Paul. Paul was facing a real problem of leadership because there were accusations and false rumors and hypercritical opponents who wanted to throw him out of the church because he was doing things that were radical and different and leading the church in a way that for them wasn't right. How can anyone lead the church today or even belong to the church and remain sane? I really do wonder that. Let's face it. Authentic leadership takes work, courage, study, and learning. One person who thought he knew what he was talking about said that 10% of the population are born leaders. And the other 90%, well, they're not born with that innate sense of leadership and leadership qualities. But there's good news in this. He also said that only 10% really can never learn to be a leader. There are those people, no matter how many classes they take, no matter how much instruction they get, they just don't get it and never will. But the good news is that leaves 80%. 80% of the people who with instruction and with studied effort can become effective leaders. You can learn to be an effective leader at your school if you're a student or in your workplace, in the community, and yes, even in the church. You can be a leader. And you need to be a leader. Honestly, our seminaries that prepare people to be ordained to be pastors and ministers of the word Do not teach leadership. And most lay people bring leadership ideas from their workplace and they apply it to the church. And you know, that works fairly well. But leadership in a religious organization is different than most other leadership styles that you find in the workplace. I noticed that in reading this book, Leadership for Vital Congregations, that Anthony Robinson names five different leading authorities on leadership who come from five different fields of discipline. But not one of them came out of government or business sectors of our world that makes up the vast majority of the employers that we have. This thing called Christian leadership is not like the leadership in the disciplines that most of us come from. So we have to relearn a way to be a Christian leader or a leader in a Christian organization. We have to rethink our leadership styles when we work in the church. Now remember, I'm not talking of just the pastor as leader but those that the nominating committee brings to you and that you elect to be the leaders of the church. And those who volunteer to lead various ministries and ministry teams of the church, AB Women, AB Youth, um, Romeos, 
a, a Bible study, a Sunday school teacher. And I want to affirm that in the body of Christ, no one sits on the sidelines. Sitting in worship is not enough. It doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in your garage makes you a car. You're not a Christian if you just sit through worship. You have to be connected and you have to be involved in the life of the church. And each one has to be a leader or a manager or a worker bee to help the body of Christ grow and be strong. The bumper sticker said it. You've seen it. It says, leap, follow, or get out of the way. And that's true in the life of the church. And hopefully most people will be leading in positive and helpful ways. Because this church is going somewhere. And we want you to be a part of this body as it goes to that place that God wants us to be. And to be the church that God intends us to be in this community at this time. Think of it this way. No one sits in the orchestra and just occupies a seat. Everyone plays an instrument and everyone is a part of the work of making beautiful music of the orchestra. I also want to say that you don't just play the same note over and over. The orchestra moves through a piece of music. It doesn't just keep repeating the same bar or the same phrase or the same movement over and over. There's a beginning and a place that you move to that's called the finale. And the finale of the church comes when Jesus Christ comes again. We have not yet reached the finale, but we can't keep playing the opening bars. We have to move towards that finale of the glorious day of the resurrection and the coming of Jesus Christ. Last weekend, the, the symphony said goodbye to its conductor of what? Eleven years, Keith Lockhart. He was the main leader in the symphony. He's the one who led the orchestra on stage and took the bows when the piece of music was over. But of course, there's also other leaders in any organization. There's the president of the organization and there's an executive director. And there are section leaders in each of the different musical instruments. There are leaders of people who do publicity and make physical arrangements and travel plans and so on. But when the symphony is on stage during a performance, what the conductor does is instructive for what we need as leaders in the church. And so the theme for today is the question, what does a church leader do. And again, I'm speaking of all of the different leaders that we have from being a member of the council to telling a children's message here, because that's all a part of being a leader in the life of the church. So here's sort of my uh, way of comparing an orchestra in the church. Keith Lockhart or, or any conductor sort of brings in musicians that are already trained. They don't invite you as a brand new celloist to come to the the Utah Symphony. But then he goes through the process of training them and rehearsing them in each piece of music. And then when they're playing, he conducts the music. He keeps the orchestra together. 
I can remember when I was in eighth grade, I went to the uh, county band, you know, whatever that is, where all of the best players from the whole county came together, and we got out of time. Uh, the clarinets that I played were playing uh, sort of at one time, and, and the trumpets over here were three bars ahead. And it was his responsibility to draw us back together so that we could keep playing the same piece, piece of music with the same uh, same place in the music. The conductor who stands up there and leads sets the pace and the desired dynamics of loudness and softness. He tells you when there's a retard and you slow down or, or when he wants you to, to just give a blast. And the conductor's job is to interpret the composer's intent. And even if it's a familiar place, to bring an interpretation that enlivens the music for this time and place. And what I love the most is to watch the conductor cueing in the various parts of the music. You can watch, and when it's time for... Um, the trumpets to come in with their fanfare. He cues the trumpets and they know to come in. And then when they're done, he cues the violins so that they then begin to play their part. And he lets people know and keeps them on pace. And he brings, he tells us when things are supposed to be done so that the sound is glorious. And do you know that the only person who knows everything that's going on in the orchestra is the conductor who has the complete score in front of him, right? I mean, the trumpets have the trumpet part and the, the violins have the violin part. But it's the conductor who keeps all of the parts together and make it a whole orchestra. And he's the one who keeps moving the piece moving forward to ultimately its finale. Okay, so we all know these things. How does this apply to church leadership? Christian leaders take people who have experience of faith and leadership in other fields and then trains them in the ways of Christian leaders and managers of programs. Leaders, true leaders, have to spend time learning about and helping others learn how to lead in a Christian organization. And church leaders do many things that, that helps the church become what God is calling it to be and to do. To keep the congregation together. To set the pace and the dynamics, what is going to be emphasized in the life of the church and what is not. Because we can't do everything. Leaders in the church interprets God's word for this body of people in this era of Christendom and of the history of Christianity. And like the conductor, it's the responsibility of leaders to cue in the entrance of various program and parts of the work of the church. Ask yourself, when is it time to start the stewardship program? You see that the leaders of the church need to cue that process. And the leadership, like the council, are the people who has the whole score of music. I liken it to a person that you have all of these strings of programs and things that are going on in the life of the church, and the only people who has connections with everything going on in the life of the church is the church council. They have the whole score. 
The council as the leaders are the ones who can best see the whole vision of what is going on in the life of the church. No other single entity in the church has that overall perspective of values, purpose, and activities, and opportunities, and challenges, and resources, and deficiencies. They're the ones who keep that together while other people are doing the programs that they feel called to be about in the ministries that are serving the church and serving the work of the Lord. Moses. Hmm. Moses had a leadership problem in the desert. Paul's leadership problem in Jerusalem came when some people said that he was leading the church in the wrong direction. Christianity today, and specifically First Baptist Church, faces leadership problems. Because the church that we know and love, and that pastors are trained to lead, is not the same church as it was 20 years ago. That is not to say that our elected and selected leaders are doing a poor job. It is to say that the nature of the church and the people who are coming to the church today is, in, is incredibly different than what it was even five or ten years ago. In my life as a pastor, over 30 years in ordained ministry, the change in the life of the church that I have seen from my perspective is so vast that I consider that this is the greatest change since the 3rd, 4th, and 5th century of Christianity. It's even a greater change and shift in who we are and what we do and how we be than even the Reformation of Martin Luther and John Wesley and John Calvin and John Knox. That occurred in the 16th and 17th century. It's that radical. It is not to say that our leaders are doing a poor job. It is to say that they are trying to lead in a difficult and tumultuous time. And to lead a people who are not united in what we think. What the church should be about. We are a people who are unclear on Christian and biblical principles. And facing a far different cultural challenge than anyone has ever seen since those early centuries of Christianity. And so in this sermon series, we're going to learn more about all of this, how the church is now so different as to demand different leadership styles. The spiritual nature of leadership in today's church, what's it supposed to be? And the roles of church leaders and church members, how are they to lead? And the good news is that God provided Moses and Paul with words to discern and interpret God's dreams and purposes for them and those people in that time, the people who were in difficulties then. And just so, God will provide for us. If we, like Moses and Paul, turn to God and learn the ways of faith and faithful leadership, then God will be praised by what we do and who we are as First Baptist Church. As we say goodbye to Keith Lockhart after 11 years, we really do recognize the 
absolute importance of high-quality leaders in the orchestral organization known as First Baptist Church. And we pray that our music is harmonious and pleasing to God's ear. This sermon series on Christian leadership of the body of Christ is exciting. And it's laden with possibilities to transform this congregation into a strong and vital witness to God's presence and power in the world. So I invite us all and I challenge you individually to turn to God's leading as we seek to be God's people in this place and time. Amen.